Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Jason Bourne to my 007. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, okay. And our very, our very own Michael Skarn. That's right. It's Eric Ronebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Boom, Michael Skarn. All right. That's a... That's a <laughs> bone. James Bonefire. James Bonefire. Michael Skarn. <laughs> Any Office fans out there? So, okay. Let's start off with the big Seahawks news that broke today. Russell Wilson wants a new contract, and he wants it done by April 15th. Okay. Uh, so, let's start with Eric. Eric, how did you react to this news? Man, I hate this news. Uh, I feel like this is an agent pulling a power play. I realize that April 15th is their first OTA. It's something, their first workout of the season. And he wants a contract before that. Making this public or making this get out into the public, I think it sucks. I mean, what what's wrong with the 17th or the 20th or the end of this month? If it happens before the season really gets going or right before the draft or right after the draft, what's the difference? I hate this story because of all those reasons. Yeah, I think it's more just Russell wants the, the to be done before football starts. And if it's not done before football starts, he would prefer that it happens after the season. It's not like a, I need to get this done or I'm never coming back to the Seahawks. It's more like a, I don't want to talk about this after this point. I want to focus only exclusively on football. So I, I kind of took it as like, hey, this is my deadline. Finish it by then or, or let's finish it after the season. Let's. I feel like that's such an ultimatum though. And it's a, it's, it's, what, it's what Russ does though. Russ wants, Russ during the season likes to focus on football. And recovery water. And uh, pass the Pisco Hawks. <laughs> and, uh, and the bread ball. Keep going, Kevin. Uh, this is a, another in a long line of uh, Russell Wilson rumors and talk in the offseason that all gets a dismissive wanking sign from me. That is uh, a dismissive wank is my general consensus opinion on all of the Giants trade rumors. But this one, this one actually else. came from Russ. Sure, but I still don't care. Like, yes, Russell Wilson wants to have a new contract. That we knew that. Russell Wilson doesn't like to negotiate while football's being played. We knew that already too. Like this was this is not Russell Wilson also probably pretty nice guy. Um you know what Russell Wilson also likes? Uh recovery water and Alaska Airlines while we're giving updates on Russell Wilson. Okay, uh, Eric, only question, because I yeah. don't, because I'm pretty sure Kevin's answer will be the same for this question as well as for the last question. On, uh, on Hot Ones, Jimmy Butler was on Hot Ones this week. Jimmy Butler said he could, he could cover Antonio Brown on a Russell Wilson pass. So he bet Antonio Brown $30,000 that wow. he came out to the training session. He, uh, Antonio Brown ran a route on Jimmy Butler and Russell Wilson threw the ball and they, of course, completed the pass because, Jimmy Butler is an is a basketball player, not an NFL cornerback. Lost thirty dollars, thirty thousand dollars to Mister Big Chest. Ooh. My question for you has nothing to do with the actual situation, but are you are you sad that are you a little sad that Antonio Brown and Russell Wilson seem to be such good friends, and we're not going to get to see them together in Seahawks uniforms? Well, I mean, add add to that, the fact all it took that, was a third and a fifth round pick. No kidding. Well, I mean, let's face and it, that's, we actually have those rounds. Well, those are like the one of one of two rounds we have. That's half our draft. I would literally half. We're our by draft dicking it then. It would also be $30 million a year, and uh, I don't know, add to it, the Raiders have it, and you know he's going to have a lot of success in Oakland. Yeah, Mr. Big Chest, pro- the thing is, okay, you go out, you get Tyrell Williams, a, a deep ball threat. You go get Mr. Big Chest, a deep ball threat. 
And then you got who to throw to him? Derek Carr. Oh, it's deep it's, ball. Wait, no. It's Dan like Carr's It's like um. It's like um. It's like the guy who spends uh, a ton of money on like a super nice TV, but then doesn't get like the HD TV package. It's like just, buying just gets yeah, just gets watching just, basic cable just on a sixty-five inch four K TV. It's like, hey, I got a four K TV. Oh, did you uh, did you get like a PS Plus so you can watch four K movies? No, what's that? I just have basic cable. I got Channel Four. It's like, oh, cool, man. And the Golf Channel. Um, neat. So <laughs> he's watching a VHS on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, actually, who would be an upgrade quarterback for them? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Eh, I'm not so sure about that. All he does is throw deep passes. I mean, it's a better, it's a better, it's a better fit, <laughs> it's with, a better with, fit. with the That's personnel. What I really like Derek Carr in the right situation. I but, agree. But I think he's a better quarterback. I'm saying with this assemblance of talent, uh, this is a Fitzpatrick. But real special. talk, I hate Derek Carr in the current situation he's in. Yeah. I think in the current situation he's in, he is like the 30th best quarterback in the NFL. And in the right situation, he could be like 10th. You know, he did, but he's he's being put in a position to fail. You think he'd be um, better in Denver, maybe? Anywhere, like, cut up, cut up, Flacco. You, you think the, the anywhere Joe running Conner, a West Coast offense? You think the Raiders are going to put uh, are going to let him go to Denver though? It's oh, absolutely not. No way. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Washington. So. Uh, Dwayne Brown, at an interview, he said that it's time for less balance on offense. The players have been pretty open that they want to throw more. It seems like the team is training that way. So my question for you guys. Uh, last season, we were pretty close to 50-50 run pass, right? What do you? What percentages do you expect this this year? Expect or want? No. no we'll, we'll do want after. Okay. <laughs> what expect. do you expect? Eric? Eric? All right. If I'm going first, um, seems to me the offensive line has to work harder. If you're balancing it or running the ball more, we know how banged up this offensive line can be. I think they're going to open it up more, but I'm thinking it's going to be like 60, ah, 55, 45 pass run, 55 pass, 45 run. I agree. They're going to open it up more. I think they're really going to stretch things out. It's going to be 51 pass, 49 run. I think it might go a little higher. I'm going to go with 58, 42, Uh, like on the higher end of, we're going to be like, Middle of the road. Um, I'm gonna look. So, so Nathan just took my want for the record. That's what. That's your want. Somewhere between like 58 and 60 percent pass is exactly where I'd like to be. Yeah, that's enough running to not make it completely on Russ, but like a passing offense because we have a really good quarterback. And we should be passing. Because we have explosive pass catchers in our in our backfield too. So like using. Using Penny as like the short passes a run, kind of the way New Orleans does with Alvin Kamara, should be a very real possibility next year. Where maybe it wasn't this year because he was still acclimating to the speed of and JD McKissick. Yeah, if he's back, yes, JD McKissick. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know who the running backs on the final. Well, and Carson. I mean, Carson's a decent pass catcher. Carson's a solid pass catcher, and he can do the exact same thing where you throw the ball to him at the zero yard line, and then he runs forward for five yards and trucks somebody. Yep. Um, Okay. Uh, then and then falls forward. Seahawks are expected to work hard to sign Nick Perry and then pursue Danny Shelton and Jermaine Curse. Do you want one, two, or all three of these deals, Eric? Well, you know what deal I don't want. Jermaine Curse. Yes. <laughs> I figured you'd say two. I think it's... I, I was waiting. Last week, I thought you'd bring up the Jermaine Curse thing. I, I realize that he has history with this team. Maybe he'll be okay. Maybe he'll be okay in his second run. Maybe I should give a little... Uh, Here's, give a little here's my thing about here's my about Jermaine Curse. I don't think that signing him is worth losing a seventh round compensatory pick. Exactly. So I do not want him until one, either one of our other guys gets signed, 
or something like that. Now, Danny Shelton, on the other hand, I do think is worth losing a, a late-round compensatory pick. Last year, we saw the Seahawks have a bu- lined up to get a bunch of high-round compensatory picks, and they made a bunch of cheap veteran signings towards the end of free agency that canceled out all our compensatory picks. Now, we made it to the playoffs, so I'm going to count that as a worked, it worked out, even though I think long-term it, it was probably a bad move. Um, because we ended up cutting some of those guys, or those guys are just gone now. Like, we don't have um, either of the defensive tackles we signed are on, or neither of them. Well, they're both back on Minnesota. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So it's like, so it's, it's like, we need it. I think it'd be better. It would be better if last year we would have done that. But you know what? It worked out. We made the playoffs. I'm not going to complain about a playoff football team. Now, this year, I really think they need to think hard. If they sign Danny Shelton, does what kind of compensatory tick is it, pick is it going to cancel out? A seventh, a sixth, a fifth? Because um, right now it looks like we're in line to get two fourths, uh, a fifth, and a seventh, or and then we have one extra spot. So we can sign Shelton and cancel out the seventh. That's fine. I'm okay with that. If and um, Nick Perry's sign him all you want because he got cut. So guys who get cut don't count. So we can sign all the cut guys we want. Try to lure Jordy Nelson back out of retirement. I don't think it's going to work, but. <laughs> That was my dream. Kevin? So free feeling? agency prior to the draft is all about making it so that the Florida position is good enough that you don't have to draft somebody there. Right now, we have holes in our offensive line. We need another guard um, just for depth purposes. We have holes in our defensive line. We need at least one more rotational guy at D-tackle and D-end. And we have... A lack of depth at linebacker and a lot of issues in the secondary and questions at wide receiver. That's too many question marks going into the draft. We need to address some of these things. If we were to assign Perry and Shelton, that would address two of those questions Mm -hmm. with players that we know are NFL caliber. Um, I'm not huge on the curse signing. If it wasn't for the compensatory pick, I'd be all for it because otherwise you cut them, walk away, whatever. Um, But I want... I want to sign like another four guys or five guys. Um, I know we're bringing in Courtney Upshaw for a workout. Um, there's a cornerback, uh, Jamar Taylor, who played for um, Arizona last year. So there's a few dudes. And I want to bring up the floor at those positions just so that when we get to the draft, we aren't drafting 100% for need in desperation mode. Um, we can take the best player available. So one thing to think about too is that right now the um, the the quality of safeties and free agency available again is still pretty good. It's still really high. You know, Eric Berry is still doesn't have a job. Um, just to give one random Did example. Did Boston get signed? Um, and so no. Trey Boston is still unsigned. So there's guys out there that you can get. Uh, you can go get Chris Maragos to play special teams. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Special teams uh, captain Chris Maragos. So, so the, there's guys out there you could sign at safety. I have a feeling the Seahawks are waiting for cut season. They're waiting for cut season guys to get cut towards the end and pick up a couple guys that got cut after, you know, the the training camp. Cut. Especially for nickel corner. Yeah, for nickel corner or for thing. Or they might trade. We they did might this trade, last year, though, and it didn't They might trade for us. a couple guys. Yeah, but we know? did the year before. We did two years ago when we got Justin Coleman. Um, I could see us like moving like a late late pick to get you know like a guy like Justin Coleman, a guy who we think is good, but we don't want to go through waivers. Do um, we want to start talking about draft philosophy? Because I'd love to talk about that. Are uh, we ready? Um, I had like another story. All right, bring the story. Okay, uh, then the, I want to address your point. Uh, to, okay, here's my here's my big thing. You ready? Uh, 
Pete Carroll said Jacob Martin will be a factor on the edge. Jacob Martin, best Seahawk ever. Uh, I'm I'm your biggest fan. Please come on this podcast. All right, let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> Ooh, now good transition. Um, so in the draft, high round draft picks. Uh, what's easier to manufacture, coverage or pass rush? Pass rush. And uh, so, what does Jacob Martin help with? Pass rush. Manufacturing pass rush. It's so as we get into talking about what we're going to do with different picks. Two things to consider. Number one, uh, manufacturing pass rush is something we can do a little easier. So if we don't necessarily take a stud defensive end, that doesn't mean we're abandoning the pass rush. If you can take away one thing from the Patriots the last couple seasons watching them play um, on defense, it's that they look at the way they spent money on defense. They recognize that you can't scheme someone to be covered. It's impossible. You have to beat your guy to cover him. You have to be better. Um, but you can scheme guys free on the defensive line, which is why these defensive line players for them. I mean, Chandler Jones is still good, but like they, I have a feeling that these defensive line players is going to start to be like Patriots offensive line players where they go other places and they're just not quite as good as we thought because the Patriots have good schemes to get guys free on the defensive line and, and make, create pressure. Yeah. Because um, you can do that. You can actually scheme guys. You can't scheme a guy covered. You just have to beat him, which is what made Richard Sherman so great. You know, Richard Sherman, he beats his guy pretty consistently. So, so, the, so that was the one about. piece to address. The other piece to address is um, I am a fan of trading sixth and seventh round picks for veteran players that you think can add quality depth because those are just an absolute roll of the dice if they become anything so if you can get like um a quality backup weak side linebacker who's good at special teams and we got our seventh round pick sure i think it's worth our backup quarterback too like a i mean i understand that that hunley never took a snap as as a seahawk really but they were they felt confident going into the season with him as a backup quarterback and that has value and how often do you end up carrying your sixth round pick even into that season let alone the next season uh so that's to answer the danny shelton question yeah i'm willing to let a seventh go for a defensive tackle that we know can play nose tackle a two down defensive tackle can add depth rotation with that rotational depth do it. All right. Uh, okay, let's go into our, our draft. So we're going to do two different draft, uh, mock Seahawks drafts this week and next week. This week, this week is the the no trades allowed mocked. This is where we have to stick with the Seahawks base four picks. Welcome to the no fun zone. We can't, we can't, uh, we can't do any, we can't come up with a couple wild trades to get the Seahawks moving, moving down, getting the six picks we probably know they'll have. And by wild trades, he means... Things we know we're going to do because there's no way we're going to only have four picks. Yeah. The, did you see that interview with uh, John Schneider where he was like, our second round pick this year was uh, Dwayne Brown. He yep. like said it like that because he said it. He said he has to think of it like that. Otherwise, it will drive him nuts that he only has four picks. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's hilarious. He also said he was really looking forward to the 2020 draft and they were stacking picks for that, which makes, yes. me, makes me think he will be signing some players to get rid of those comp picks okay. in the late rounds. <laughs> that's All what right. he does. All right. So let's, let's get into it. Um, so... What we're gonna do this is we're just gonna go over like round by round. Um, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give my uh, my dream pick, and then uh, I'm gonna tell you why that player won't be available, and then probably give you another pick. <laughs> so so uh, so that that's how I'll usually uh, do it. So let's start with round one. Round one, we are picking twenty first. It's actually a pretty good spot. There's there's this is an exceptionally deep defensive line and defensive back draft. Uh, there, so those are positions the Seahawks need. Um, also, Eric, offensive tackle draft. Yeah, it's a good, it's a decent offensive tackle. <laughs> There's probably three starter quality NFL tackles in the first round, which, which um, more. I'm saying like slam dunk. Like more. I don't. You, you're a Cody Ford believer, but 
Uh, I'm a few people believer. But I mean, the, the thing is, tackles don't grow on trees. Like, that's been really hard for people to develop tackles. There are guys that we that people thought were sure things that have really not panned out. I think there's been, five dudes. Been, been very average. Eric. Yeah. What's your dream? R1 pick. What's your, what, you're the Seahawks. 21 comes up. He's on the board. The guy you're thinking of. Who's, who's he, who you got? Honestly, I'd keep going back and forth because I think I want pass rush, but then again, I want to shut down corner. I don't know if we have quite the shutdown corner in the draft. We've got some guys we like, but I don't know if we have a shutdown corner. So I keep going back to the offensive line. All right. That player is Andre Dillard. All right. Andre Dillard, Washington State University. Yeah, you're on modern film. Physical, physical marvel. And I feel like people in this room, not just because you guys are kooks, but um, people in this room will respect that pick and like it. Not, not now, you guys. We'll, I was I was a Central Washington Wildcaster. No, well, it's Ke- the same Kevin side is, of Kevin the state. Kevin is kind of a Washington sport agnostic. I would say after, he slightly prefers UW. Yes, <laughs> after the mountains, it's all the same. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. We just lost. I just, we I just lost viewer. I just went into the Dakotas territory. No, um, there's <laughs> there's some argument though that he will not be available in the uh, at our at our position. Um, I think it's going to be close. He, he's going to get picked around where we pick between. 15 and 25 so yeah there's definitely a shot now are you are you gonna follow up ask me who i think we're gonna pick yes okay wait no no i'm you're the you're the seahawks you picked you picked andre dillard mark it down eric round one andre dillard offensive tackle washington state university now i'll take it i washington state university perused about 15 mock drafts and this guy was available for us to pick in about six of them that's enough for me because i think that tj hawkinson is like the most sure thing uh, in maybe this draft. Um, as strongly as I felt about Derwin James last year, I feel at least that strongly about TJ Hawkinson. I know tight end is not a position of extreme need, but sometimes a guy is on the board, just like last year when we had Earl Thomas going and, and Bradley McDougal going into the season at safety, and you think safety's not a position of need, but you just draft Derwin James because that's the guy, right? Um, but TJ Hawkinson. Tell me how is, you feel about really good pass catching and really good blocking tight ends. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson has that same feel. The moment he steps onto an NFL football field, he has every skill that you need to be a successful NFL tight end. He instantly will become a borderline pro bowler. He he um he can play in line or out line. Um, and if you can draft Gronk in 21 in round one, you do it. And so I think that that's what you do. You draft TJ Hawkinson if he's there. Now, I'm of the opinion that that guy gets picked in the top 10. Um, I think NFL scouts are good enough to pick up what I'm putting down. But mocks don't have him there. So that's my dream. Um, if... If he's not there, um, a more realistic pick, I would take Nasir Adderley, uh, the safety out of um, Delaware. I think the physical tools are are very strong. He doesn't have to start right away for the Seahawks. He might he have, might have the opportunity to uh, to sit back because we do have three safeties that we can use sparingly. But three safety sets are a thing in the NFL now, and you want that fourth guy to bring into the rotation. You want four good safeties. You don't want three good safeties like you used to. So I'm into so my first choice. I'm going to say I'm going to mark me down for T.J. Hawkinson. Seahawks get a tight end. All right, Kevin. Uh, to support your Adderley pick, the <sighs> other thing is he can actually play nickel corner too, uh-huh. which is important. Yeah, he's not just like box safety on third on third down or whatever. All right, so we just talked about how you can manufacture pass rush, um, and corner is a position of greater need. But I actually, there's a guy who keeps falling who I think is just too good a value at defensive end to necessarily pass up, and that's Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson. Yeah. Uh, Farrell's a guy who is. Really, he reminds me a lot of Frank Clark in that he's not 
the bendiest, most super athletic defensive end. Not bursty. But he's got a lot of strength, a lot of power. He's got good length, good size. Mm -hmm. He does everything everything and he has a really good motor which is the same thing about clark like they're both relentless guys you have to block them the entire play so they're not going to burst in there and grab a quick sack but they're both guys who you have to block for as long as the play's alive and they're both three down defensive ends two two things i love about colin farrell he sets the edge he's super strong like Mm -hmm. no he's not getting washed out of the play the edge is set his side never gets beat and the second thing I like I like about him is he's a three down four three defensive end. He could play all three downs for the Seahawks if needed at in a, in a four three. He's like prototypical for that. Yep. So I think it's a great pick, Kevin. Yeah, um, he's just a guy. He's plug and play immediately. Goes in there, upgrades the position. Don't have to worry about our defensive end rotation. Um, so for everything that I just talked about, being able to manufacture a pass rush, if you can draft a guy who's a difference maker. That's a good guy to put on your and team. Here's the thing. I like that pick a lot, Kevin. But the reason why that was not my number one pick is because I went with something realistic. And this guy is being mocked in the top six. You guys think he's in until we Depends on the, the website. Six. It's the same, on the same as Hawkinson. It's Hawkinson. Hawkinson's all over the place. I agree with your assessment that he probably won't be available. But remember, we're, we're dreaming a little bit. Well, here. if he's not available, then I'd take either Greedy Williams or DeAndre Baker, the corner. Now those are and the, those, those are, are my backups. Yep. So then That's Kevin's, Kevin's got his plan. Greedy Williams... Uh, Great pick, and I think DeAndre Baker would also be great. Those guys also... Uh, Greedy Williams is like a ball hawk, but DeAndre Baker has the measurables that we tend to like in corners. So that's kind of the the split on that. All right. Um, I was really... I want you guys to know, I was really tempted to take Hollywood Brown. Uh, He is one of my first-round picks I've listed. He is is our number one wide receiver, and he is a sexy, sexy pick. I was like... Ooh, but what if we just get Hollywood Brown? And then I was like, you know what? I got like some of these third round wide receivers. I'm just gonna be patient. So let's talk about third round wide receivers. Patience hard. Uh, third round wide receivers. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first this time. Um, I at first the first name I wrote down here was Hakeem Butler, but I think the secret's out, Kevin. I think that too many people know now that Hakeem Butler's too good. Hakeem Butler went out and ran like a four four two forty in the combine, so, and everyone's like, oh, never mind. He's so yeah, he's moved up the draft board to us. He's my second round pick. I'm gonna go with JJ Arcega Whiteside from Stanford. Arcega uh, Whiteside. So <laughs> Arcega Whiteside. The thing you guys all know, people who listen to this podcast know by now that uh, I love wide receivers who can make a contested catch, and well, he he can do that. This he's, dude's a bully. He's real good at contested catches, like. Super good. He'll play outside. He'll play a little bit in the slot. He can move around. Um, he's not like just stuck in one spot. Uh, I think JJ Arcego Whiteside would be an excellent seat, uh, provide ex- excellent depth for the Seahawks at wide receiver, especially considering, you know, Doug has had a lot of offseason surgeries. We don't really know where his health is at. Tyler is our solid number one. I'm very happy with going into the season with Lockett as our number one receiver. I just want some insurance against Baldwin, you know, being really dinged up and make sure that he's right before he gets back on the field. And I think Arcego Whiteside could provide the depth. That would give us the ability to do that. All right. Uh, to side with you a little bit more, a couple of numbers. Um, he was one of the higher rated deep ball receivers in uh, college football last season. Uh, according to PFF, he's also a dude who caught a number. Of, so he caught 16 out of 28 targets for 483 yards, eight touchdowns, not a single drop on deep passes. Um, he has enough quickness to get in and out of routes, and he creates separation using his body. He's six two, but he's also two twenty five. Like he's a big dude, yeah. and he boxes people out really, really well. 
he like uses his he his, rebounds. He uses like head. He uses his head and arms to like create space, like in a like a way that's not going to get him OPI. Like a smart. He's really smart. I mean, he, went to he can hip check you on a contested he ball. To, like he does really well. He went to Stanford. When we we have a couple Stanford <laughs> guys in the Seahawks, we know how smart they say they are. And he they're, also they're has right. really they're long arms. He has thirty three inch arms on six two. Yeah, so he's built like the type of corner we want, only he's carrying about 20 extra pounds. All right, so I went offense, offense sides. first two rounds, which is something certainly not going to happen, but I'm I'm for it if it's those two guys. I think it's crazy enough to happen. It'll happen. All right. What kind of dude do you want, Eric? Okay, yeah, Eric, do you... What gonna, type of so, player? So Eric doesn't scout as deep as we do. So Eric's going to tell us his, his position, maybe, and we're going to give him a guy. Sure. Uh, in, okay, third round, I'm thinking that we will, if we take what I thought a, a defensive player, offensive lineman, basically a non... So you have OT. You have we, you took Dillard. So what, yeah, are you thinking, what are you thinking now? Uh, I'm thinking it will be a wide receiver in the third round. I'm thinking that's almost right. a, a uh, sure thing. If not there, that's where we grab our edge guy. We could join me on our Sega right. wide side. Maybe we could draft so, Andy Andy Isabella. Kevin Kevin loves him. Yeah, right? he's a good outside receiver who does some weird things and needs some cleanup on his route running. If you're going to go for a defensive end, I'll go ahead and sell you two players. Um, Anthony Nelson out of Iowa is a really tall kind of power rusher who's not going to get a lot of sacks, but he's going to be um, a really good like first and second down defensive end who might be able to develop a pass rush set. He's extremely good against the run as a defensive end. Kind of think about like a Red Bryant type. Okay. Um, or if you want the pass rusher, Austin Bryant out of Clemson. He's the other defensive end from Clemson. Now that's the pick I like. Uh, he's a guy who has a lot more pass rush ability, but he doesn't have great balance. He might be like a third down defensive end only for the first year or two because um, he's kind of high cut in his legs. And he has a little bit of trouble. He ends up on the ground more than I'd like, but he is a good pass rusher. Um, the the guy who so you're thinking Austin Bryant would be better for you? I like that better. You want it's the pass rusher? The, uh, you guys kind of talked sexy pick. You talked up the Clemson guys. Kind of got me looking. Dexter Lawrence was one of the guy I thought maybe we might grab in the first round. Oh, he's I think really that's possible. Good. He's really good. He's huge. He's a large person. He's a he's a washing machine. I was talking about <laughs> yeah, the guy that the fact. Seahawks scouted that we. Ah, uh, you know what? We'll talk about trade backs next week because I think there's yep. a guy in between first and second round that the Seahawks are definitely going to be targeting. I 100 percent agree, okay. and I really like that guy, Kevin. Uh, uh, your third round pick. So my third round pick, I went defensive end, and I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm really caught in this um, between corner and safety. Uh, let's say. So you got you got. I'm going defense, guy. defense. So you're going defense, defense. What do you got? Uh, so Kevin's living the dream. The guy who I think isn't going to be there because he went out and ran a super good 40 yard dash is Darnell Savage, who's being mocked anywhere from like the end of round one to round four. So Darnell Savage out of Maryland is like super athletic. They had him playing outside of his strengths at Maryland, so he doesn't have as many plays on tape as you'd like. But he closes downhill to the ball really well, and he's a good set. Um, he dials into the play. Like yeah. he dials into like what he, he diagnoses the play and then like reacts. And he can like. play in the box or he can play free, but I think he's gonna be gone by that time. So I'm gonna go with uh Will Harris out of Boston College. So Will Harris is a guy who has a lot of the physical measurables that you want. He's about four four forty guy, um explosive, uh really good like change of direction skills. Um, has decent length, pretty good size. Uh, he's just a guy who could end up playing like way above 
his draft value. He kind of has some Adrian Amos in him. The scouting reports that I the read that I read had a really good quote about him. He's like more of a preventer than a creator, so the tape's not super exciting. Yeah, I think is like totally true. He doesn't make any big plays, but like nothing really bad happens while he's out there. Like he's like on my watch, nothing bad, nothing will go truly wrong. You know, it's like yes, <laughs> yeah. He he really makes it so that uh, like he just cleans a lot of things up. Uh-huh. You know, he'll have a lot more batted passes than interceptions. That kind of thing. Yep, I agree. Or so, he just is in position, so they don't even throw it his way. Yeah, I I think that's a good pick in in round three. Um, might be available in round four when we pick two, but I think round three would be a totally Seahawks thing to do is to make sure they get their guy. They seem to trade up a few spots just to do that, like what they did last year with uh, with punting Jesus. With punting Jesus. <laughs> okay, uh, we go to round we go to round four, Kevin. I'm gonna let you lead off this time. Uh, round four, who you got? Wait, where are you going? What position? All right, man. I went defense. Defense. I'm going defense. defense. I knew it. Uh, so round four, I want my corner. I went I went DN safety. I want a corner. I think there's a lot of good corner depth in this draft. And there's two dudes. Um, I'm going to give you the guy I'd love to have and the guy I think that'll be there. Will you, will you tell me what they do? Because I want to interject. Round four, I also have corner. Ooh. Okay. So this round, is, this round, is four, just, round four. Just hit us both. I also wrote down a corner. Ooh. <laughs> all right. Gentlemen. Like, gentlemen. I do think, gentlemen. I do think we all gentlemen agree the middle, the middle round corners here are, are pretty interesting. So Kevin, uh, who's your guy you wish was there but probably won't be? So the guy that I really want to see there is a uh, dude out of Michigan State. He's a converted wide receiver, so you know we love that. Uh, Justin Lane. He's about 6'2", 33-inch arms, ran about a 4'5", which is just fast enough. His change of direction skills are better than his straight line speed, which I like in a cornerback, because that means he can mirror people in and out of routes. His explosive numbers, his vertical and his broad jump are really good. And on tape, he's a guy who... He's just really hard to shake loose from. Uh, the, the scouting term I like here is sticky. He's a sticky cornerback. He's really he's, hard to get separation He's on. really physical. The thing that uh, about him is like his technique is is all over. He the looks place. like he played wide receiver a lot. He doesn't he doesn't understand how to keep a guy in the like keep a guy in the window and then guys can get loose on him. But 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 the thing is, Pete's gonna teach him the slide kick. And exactly, he, he would be really good. I think he's gonna go in the third round. I think he's gonna go in the third round too. But he might be there, and if he is, I think that's a great pick for us. Uh-huh. If he's not, then Jordan Miller out of Washington. Okay. Um, he's another guy I ran sub four five. Um, good explosive numbers, good change of direction skills. Uh, his tape is a little limited because he got hurt, um, but he recovered from the injury to put together a really solid year in a really good defense for the Huskies. Um, he's a little over six feet tall. He has over thirty two inch arms, which are really desirable traits in our defense. Um, he fits the physical standard, and he was a productive college player, which are two things that our team likes. And I think he just projects really well in our system. Um, he has experience in the slot and on the outside. All right. Um, I'm going with uh, Lonnie Johnson. The thing about Lonnie Johnson is... The is, projection pick. Is I think that Lonnie Johnson, if you drafted him to play, to play man-to-man coverage, it's like a wasted pick. You might as well have picked no one. But we're not going to do that. So I, so I think it's okay. Um, he he has very good zone projectiles. He's big. He has long arms. He does he does a lot. He takes a, like Kevin said. He takes a lot of the boxes that we like. His length is is pretty absurd. His and change I, of direction is um, decent. He's yeah, a, he's a it's, leaper. It's medium. He but yeah, you're right. He he can jump high. He's I think Lonnie Johnson is just a really <laughs> solid uh, cornerback prospect that would fit nicely into our like three man prospect rotation and really push the boys to 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 like 
have to try. But this is not a guy who could play slot. No, that is not his skill set at all. Uh-uh. So don't expect help there. No, he would. He would because no, he would be so bad. Um, but he's a really good zone. Like he, I think he's a good zone corner prospect. And yeah, I'd be happy to get line Johnson. Plus, they've interviewed him a bunch of times and stuff. Which makes you think they're interested. There was a staring contest. He was that guy, Eric. Yeah, Lonnie Johnson was a staring contest guy. Well, so, who lost? All right. Um, or won. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. Did he win? Did he lose? It was the guy who came out. I can't was remember what he said. He lost. But Eric, since you're since you're picking cornerback uh, as well, you pick Michael Jackson. Uh, Sounds good. Yep, he's a man coverage guy. Doesn't fit the scheme at all. I don't know why you did that, but. <laughs> He has really good size. He was really productive. He's super athletic. I'm just kidding. He would have to learn how to play zone, though. He did not get asked to do that at all at Miami. But he's Honestly, the kind of guy that could. A fourth-round pick, though, this this is likely. I mean, it's there is some hubris with Pete Carroll, and it's worked for him before. He'll, he'll, he'll bend the guy into what he wants him to be, and it doesn't always work. Oh, there's one other guy I want to talk about, Rock is him. Um, this is where Rock is in should be going, but he's going to go name. in the uh, he's going to go in the early second instead, and that's going to yeah. be hard. He's going to go around where Greedy Williams went, which seems absurd to me. Uh, I've watched. I've watched <laughs> Just wanted to put that on. I like Rock is in. I think he has a lot of potential. But I do too. But you're man. projecting a lot if you pick him that high. Ooh. Hey, real quick, where do you guys think Greedy Williams is going to go? Uh, late first, okay. Early somewhere second. between like he has uh, a great... somewhere between twentieth and the fifth pick in this. He went round. from we talked about him nonstop and early. You know, pre combine podcast to he's fallen back. He didn't quite have a, bit. a great combine. He didn't yeah. have a great combine. He didn't have a great final year at LSU, and there's some um, personality concerns. He's not going to be a fit for every team, and some teams are going to kind of push him down their board. I think we're the type of team that'll be like, yeah, we love the swagger. All right. But he's also has 31 and 3 eighths inch arms or something like that, which we don't necessarily like as much. Fifth round, I have. I'm gonna go first. I have. I'm gonna go interior defensive line. I think we really need to pick up a guy for the rotation. So if we don't sign Danny Shelton, I could. I definitely see us going this way in the draft. Um, and I'm. I have two guys. Uh, one I just talked about with Kevin, and one that I that I scouted. And I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say both. I, Isaiah Bugs or Tristan Hill. I think they're both gonna be the, uh, there around this time. Um, Bugs might get picked a little earlier, but. Bugs, yeah, Bugs is getting projected between the second and eighth round. Yeah, he and might. There aren't eight rounds. Able, yeah, there's a. Uh, the thing is about Bugs is his is like the the scouting report on him is he doesn't always try hard, um, which I don't know. That seems like something the Seahawks would have the ability to fix. Tristan Hill has similar issues. He was a starter as a freshman and a sophomore, lost his starting job, and then came out early because it seems like he didn't get along with his coaching staff. Uh, of note, there was a coaching change between his sophomore and junior year. Yeah, The sophomore year was when they won the national championship, and their coach <laughs> left for Nebraska. They won the national championship. They did. Okay. Um, so I think both these guys are interesting prospects that have issues, <clears throat> something the Seahawks seem to like to to do they like to stab at guys with either physical tools and lacking experience or guys who maybe they think they could they could get um they a could little fix, more from they could fix a little bit so redemption song. i like oh, redemption yeah, redemption stories yes that's exactly it um so i i say we pick one of those guys i'll just say for the sake of this podcast we picked tristan hill um because he went to ucf just keep giving us ucf guys i guess Kat, uh eric what position would you like to pick for round five i said kevin would love this and i think he might wild card you just want anything? I think the Seahawks are going to do something weird. So, Kevin, give me a running back you like, or two. <laughs> Nathan, would Can I do you... running back? Can I be running back? Okay, I want... One of you can get running back. I want the other one to get a position we have not named yet. Let it be... Uh, it can be a different tight okay, end. I'll Kevin do running back. That's no, no, I can do other position. I'm good. Okay, give me I, another... I give list. me a different tight end. 
or give me um give me like a specified defensive player. Okay, speaking of redemption stories, if this player would have came out after his junior year, he might have been a first round pick. That's right. The Seahawks are selecting Bryce Love. Uh, There's no back. way he's there in the fifth. Yes, he is. Oh my god! I guarantee it. <laughs> no, I guarantee it. If he's there in the fifth and we don't pick him, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be okay. salty. This Bryce, is Lo- Bryce Love is getting hard. Very that low, Kevin. That dude could be really really good. Um, he's not durable. He had a really bad senior year. Um, Bryce Love. That's the pick, Eric. You picked him. Mark it down. Okay, Kevin, give me a linebacker. Linebacker. That's, That's... what I was already on outside linebacker. All right, sweet. We're on the same page. Um, I need to find outside. My like guy. how you went outside linebacker. That's, That's it. perfect. So, um, I really thought Kevin when he said linebacker, you were just going to be like Ben Burkirvan, just like <laughs> knock it out. Actually, Ben Burkirvan would be a good pick because um, he can play all three linebackers. <laughs> yeah, spots. is he going to be available in the fifth round? He though? is going to yes. be available. Really? But I wanted to give somebody that people here would know. Uh, Blake Cashman, linebacker out of Minnesota. I know, I know you'd like him because he sounds like a fake name. Does he wear a big Stetson hat and does he own an oiled field? Uh, no, I think he's Booster Gold's alternate oh, personality. There you go. Um, so he has the size that you want. He has decent length. Uh, ran a four five forty. He has really, really good change of direction skills. He has the potential to be a really strong um, coverage linebacker. And a lot of the tape on him in coverage is really good. If you're trying to get a guy who can immediately uh, help on special teams and could be the heir apparent to uh, KJ, um, Wright. KJ Wright if everything shakes out perfectly... He's your guy. I think okay. Ca- Cashman might be way gone by the time we pick. But another thing about Cashman that I like, though, is that he was a one-star recruit coming out of high school. And I love when you have, like, a one-star recruit that might be, like, a day-two draft pick. I think he just combined too good. I thought, like, he might be there in the fifth round of his combine was trash. But then... Uh, the Benber Kirvin has almost the exact same measurables. Right, but I which think... Which is why it's I think funny. Cashman has better tape. Uh, so, no, dude. Ben I like Kirvin Cashman's has tape. really good tape. Where do we I like take a... Uh, then, uh, so I'd say Cashman... Ben Burkirvan, and there was one other dude that was really similar there. Um, and then, like, the most conservative pick of that is Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame, who just offers, like, solid depth. Where do we take Cassius Marsh, Magic the Gathering? Ugh. Is he a fifth-round guy? Uh, Sixth-round guy? Can, we not, talk about, fifth, can yeah. we not talk about him? What I'm saying, like, that's a player that, that played in the NFL until he worked his way out of every team. He might He's still be still in the in NFL. NFL, I think. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a linebacker is something that could could play first year for us. I mean, they would definitely Quim. compete, uh, add to special teams, and we need depth there. The, the Our ben linebacking Ber- core the lacks ben, depth. The NFL.com Ben Burkirvan scouting report is so funny. It has a it has a um, it has a reference to Friday Night Lights. Yes, <laughs> and ta- and just talks about how small he is. Yeah, he's also uh, less than a full inch shorter Sorry. than Cashman. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they think. So. I mean, I guess he's he came in pretty light. He's the Russell Wilson of linebackers. He's, he's an inch shorter and seven pounds lighter than Cashman. It doesn't make sense yeah. to me why he's getting looked at as that different of a body yeah, type. I don't, I don't know. He's like way lower rated though. Yep, he is. Um, so, th- so Kevin says Ben Burkirvan, like maybe like a sleeper. Like a, that's. I think Ben Burkirvan could legitimately be a starting linebacker in the NFL at some point in his career. That's I like it. I like it. They're planting your flag. So I'm into it. Because I thought for sure you'd just pick him right right away. Just the that because he's I know he's your one of your guys. He's like your I think he's a really good player. Uh I think Seattle puts a lot I I think UW puts a lot of good uh defensive players in. Um, yeah. did the, I and then did I get my fifth round pick yet? No, hit it. No. All right. Uh so I went defense, defense, defense. Please you're gonna draft another defense player. We are no, I'm gonna actually go wide receiver. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so that's what Damn you get. Wild, wild card, bitches. Uh, wild card. 
So uh, I'm going with Stanley Morgan Jr. out of Nebraska. Yeah, buddy. He his build is really really similar to Golden Tate. Um, so he's a little bigger than the people we have right now. Uh, in the D has kind of like a running back build. He's got good length, uh, really really good explosiveness. He's a guy who could play in the slot or outside. Um, he's very very good at catching the deep ball. He played in a very limited passing offense at Nebraska and still put up really good numbers. Um, he's good at adjusting to the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs a little bit of work on his route running. But everything you see when you look at him on tape and everything you see when you look at his athletic numbers, like he tested like a really, really good corner as far as maneuverability. Um, six, seven, eight uh, on the uh, three cone and four one five on the shuttle, which is really, really good. Like that's as good as like Debo Samuel. Well, I don't know if you know this, Kevin, but since their founding in nineteen thirty five, Morgan Stanley has delivered first class business in a first class way. And those jokes will be way too many if we draft that guy. <laughs> which more, is more yet many. another reason why we need to draft Stanley Morgan Jr. Oh no. Uh he is I think the exact kind of receiver I want. Like him or like uh yeah, I, I just think that he's a guy who can play on the inside, on the outside. Um, he's versatile. He's a little bigger. He, he doesn't offer like the same jump ball skills that J.J. Sega Whiteside does. But if we're going to go all the way back to like the fourth or the fifth round for a receiver, he's a guy who could produce above his slot. So he's a regular, he's a Ben Obumanu type. No, he's more like a Tyler Lockett Sorry. where he might slip for no reason. Because other know. people tested athletically similar, but they're all like six inches taller than Man, him. We found Tyler Lockett like or light in the fifth so title locket was a late first early second that ended up being a third this is a guy who should be like a late second early third who could end up being like a fifth all right so there are all of our uh our our mock drafts all our hopes and dreams um, laid out before you. I cannot wait till TJ Hawkinson falls to 20 and get gets picked one pick in front of us just I mean, like last I don't last like spending year. the first pick on just a like Derwin James he is really good um, and it will it will make me so unhappy. Who has the twentieth pick? Uh, I think Chargers again. Denver, NFL, <laughs> Chargers again. No, it's not the Chargers again. Order. Okay, let's see. Philip Rivers uh, laughing at our draft picks. The Titans. The draft picking right before us yuck. is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh god, I would hate oh, yuck. No. oh, that would suck so much, dude. Hey, Mike, this guy you really love. He got picked by the worst team. Hey, well, who's the best receiver in the draft? They'll take him. No worries. Uh, I hope DK they take Metcalf. DK Metcalf. He's yeah. not the best receiver, but he's the highest rated one. Um, yeah, Hollywood Brown. Dude, if they picked Hollywood Brown, I would be so sad. That would make me sad because I would want not want him. Ben Roethlisberger's gonna get bad this year. I think that's hot. Let's get the hot take factory out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, he's gonna be washed. Uh, oh, you'll be kind of cool about that though. It'd be an Oklahoma State quarterback throwing to an Oklahoma wide receiver. Okay, rivalry. I'm looking at the teams like in the first round. Like, where do I? Where would I want Hollywood Brown to land? And 26 Colts is like so. Dude, so much having him across from Ty Hilton would be so funny. And Andrew Luck got so good throughout last year. Like I was very impressed with how his like strength power seemed to be growing. All right, let's get in the money zone. Uh, you want over nine thousand? You want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast? Power. There are many ways to do so, but the number one way is to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest, and for as little as ninety one or 91 that's how much money we get for as little as a dollar 24 a month you can support the cx nest podcast let's thank the people that are still doing so that's forrest tom lucas carrie bob 
Chuckatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Nick. Thank you guys. And everyone else who's on the Patreon, you guys are helping us out. You can also head over to your favorite, um, you can also head over to your favorite, uh, podcast manager and, uh, yeah. Um, the, that's it. Uh, favorite podcast manager and give us five stars. Uh, I like, I like stars. Stars are my favorite. Um, if I'm looking, I'm going to go look on iTunes. Here we go. Uh, the iTunes says last time we were at 50, right? Uh, thereabouts. Um, and our Seahawks Nest podcast by Seahawks Nest on iTunes is at 50 still. All right. 50. So five zero. Nice, even number. Very satisfying to, for me to 19 away, um, 19, 19 away from honoring the fallen warrior who I can finally love uh, publicly now and not just on this podcast that a thousand people listen to. <laughs> a gronking to remember um I, i'm so sad that he's gone but not forgotten okay uh, that's okay in he said he'll come back if tom needs him so, did he say that yes oh that's the best so thing he could have said. they're definitely going to be like two and two after four weeks and he's gonna come back oh that'd be so cool though like i hate the patriots but it is very i love gronk I hate the Patriots, but love Gronk. He's gonna right. he's gonna ride in and on a Ford F one fifty. And I respect Belichick. Why does that team have to be from Boston? Boston is the worst fans. Like I just yep. I hate worst Red fans, Sox fans. Worst owner. I worst hate quarterback. Robert Kraft. Like it's just. But like Belichick and Gronk, can they? I wish this whole thing just happened with the Browns or something. You know what I mean? That would be true. Because I would just love I'd because be like, they fired Belichick. They would be That's my second why. favorite team. I'd be like, yeah, my AFC team. I root for Belichick. He's a cool guy, man. He's really football genius. Have you watched his videos on Browns.com where he breaks down special teams? But instead, you got to say, if you watch those videos on Patriots.com, eh, where he breaks down the special teams plays, because man, those are great. Belichick breakdown is porn for people who like football. I also like when he breaks down people in uh, media rooms. Just with so I, I I just love if you ever want to enjoy yourself, uh, you should search for Bill Belichick answers stupid question because he doesn't answer it. He just mocks you with facial expressions. All right, movie club. You look disappointed, Dad. Look, Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. They had to follow up the immortal spoof comedy airplane, right? The, yep. The immortal movie. So they went. They said Val Kilmer, let's make a spy movie. We'll call it Top Secret. So 1984's <laughs> Top Secret. We, Val uh, Kilmer, you've done one movie. We watched we it. We need you in this one. We was, watched was he it. fresh off of Real Genius? I believe so, Kevin. There you go. Um, Until gonna, I find out it's the other way around. I'm going to sort by release date. And, yeah, that's what I'm about uh, to do. It uh, looks like we have... Top Secret was his first movie. Oh. It's according to this. Then Real Genius. Oh, Kevin. Then Top Gun. Well, and then he went to Top Gun? Yeah, yeah Real Genius was released a year later. Now, was it filmed later? That's why I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Val Kilmer. You're so great. We, we know you're going to be huge. So I'm okay. sticking to this. This is the third best Val Kilmer performance there is. So Top Secret is airplane with spies. I think Real Genius is music better performance. and slightly worse jokes. Um, is there anything else I need to say? Um, but but in all in all seriousness, um, the writing was definitely at the same level as Top Gun. Top oh yeah, Kevin does not like Top Gun. I feel like we found did. out watching this how much Kevin <laughs> hates Top Gun. Top Gun is not very good. Top Gun's okay. It's yes. very okay. And I feel like I feel like this he, movie was at very the whole okay. time. I didn't want to put it in the group chat, but anytime Kevin would rag on Top Gun during Top Secret, I wanted to type, "You're right, I am dangerous, nice <laughs> man," <laughs> for no reason. Um, okay, so the. Uh, the movie's plot is basically Val Kilmer plays um, Elvis. He plays like yeah, he's, he's going to <laughs> he's Europe. Crappy Elvis. knockoff Elvis in the eighties. They goes to East Germany to do a concert. By the way, and gets wrapped up in a spy plot by a girl he thinks is cute. Uh, 
who Hillary is Hiller- Flamond. Yeah, she's played, played by, by Lucy Gutteridge. Yeah, so nice the, name. Then they um, so yeah, then there's a bunch of musical numbers in this movie. Like the first one, he sings "Tutti Fruity," and like a bunch of German people just lose their mind. No, the first one he does. Uh, oh, skeet surfing. Yeah, skeet surfing. <laughs> yeah, skeet surfing was pretty which funny. Is the best, which is the best not... musical number in the whole. Yeah, that. skeet surfing is the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they open up with like it's like it's like surfing USA, but they're it's just called skeet surfing, and they're shooting. Uh, they're shooting clay pigeons while they surf and then you know of course because it's like spoofy and weird like they accidentally shoot an airplane they accidentally you know what i mean a bunch of dumb stuff happens. yeah it's 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 the high point of the movie um <laughs> i think the high point of the movie is every time chocolate moose does anything oh i mean sure that's what carries the end of it <laughs> so the moose so they have all these like french you know french resistance characters and their names are like Major d deja vu like they just have like escargot like they all have like really generic names and then there's a huge black guy and his name's chocolate moose and everything he does is the best um the, the best jokes in the movie are are the jokes about sports yeah uh, so so there was two there's one where like they they do the scenes where like they're gonna say like a secret passcode and one of them was like he goes up to the, the guy and he goes so uh who is the best white basketball player and the other guy goes there are no good white basketball players. And he's like, okay, okay, we're good. We're safe. That's the and joke then, that transcends then, over time. And then the really. other one, it, it was, um, he said, uh, uh, who are you rooting for in the like women's Australian open? And he said like in women's tennis, I always root against the heterosexual, <laughs> which I thought was really funny too. Like the, the, uh, they're just like silly little like throwaway sports jokes, but they, they landed with me more than most of the jokes in this movie. Um, just a lot. Can of- I talk about one thing that bugged me the whole time? Yeah. So, this movie was supposed to be based in the 80s. Like, this was not a period piece to the what 1950s. The, 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 the era was all over the place in this movie. That's um, kind of what I figured it was. But there were contemporary references to things in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, it, it would have to have taken place in the 80s. But they shot it like it was 1980 everywhere except for where the movie was happening. And in that spot, the 1950s were following them. Oh, wait, no, wasn't it? it that no, seriously, wasn't East Germany uh, behind the times because they were cut off from West Germany? Um, that does not excuse this. Uh, the part where that spy burned the letter and it was a publisher's clearinghouse letter. <laughs> yes, that was that was pretty. There's funny, just like actually. so many like dumb like it's like here's the thing. Top Secret it had a lot of jokes and the hit. Kevin said it. I think the hit rate was like maybe two out of ten or three out of ten. But I mean, there was enough jokes that it didn't matter. The jokes that hit were were pretty funny. Like they made me laugh. I didn't not laugh in this movie, but it was not as good as um as, as airplane, airplane. Not even close. There were very isolated funny moments. Okay, you ready to hear about some things about this movie that it, like kind of show how? I uh, will talk about some of the more moments in a second. But I think Kevin, this is a this fact makes you understand why this movie was not as good. They test screened it at a lot of colleges. And audience responses were, like, not great, so they cut it back from two hours to 90 minutes. Smart. Ooh. That's a... Uh, so who there. the hell would make this a two-hour movie? I mean, we we barely made it at 90 minutes. Uh, yeah, cutting it back was... Like, I'm a fan of cutting it back, but I don't know if they cut the right things. Because the movie had no flow. Yeah. So... It felt very disjointed. It, it was, was like a skit yeah. movie. Yeah, and so that kind of explains... Uh, Weird Al says this is his all-time favorite movie, too. Which is funny, because he starred in a better movie. <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, go ahead. What's your, what's your, your What are some other things that you were thinking about when you watched this? Uh, the Yeah, the big thing is, um, I, I was kind of <laughs> in, because I'm like, yeah, 1950s, like, Elvis-y spoof thing, what a, and then it wasn't the 50s, and then, I don't know, man, I just could not get into this movie, and every time I found something I liked... 
it just stopped being a thing pretty quick. Like they started with the uh, with the skeet surfing thing, and I was like, oh, that's a funny musical number. The musical numbers could be, and the next musical number, I was like, I'm kind of out on the musical numbers. We're good guys, and then there were so many rugs in that okay. one if restaurant. Why were there so many rugs in that? There, there's just so many. It was gags. like an unexplained gag. It was, it, it was too specific. It was too inside baseball. It was, it, it just didn't. If work. I'm watching a spy spoof movie, I would probably watch Spy Hard before this movie, and I would definitely watch Hot Shots before this. Like if I'm watching like a oh, like a military. Spoof um, I would movie, also watch Spies Like Us before this movie. Yeah, hmm. I'm not. There's a lot of movies I'd watch before this movie. I thought it was really medium at best eric and i was shocked by how well regarded it is yeah, roger ebert circles. gave it a three and a half out of four That's absurd I definitely gave it a three and a half out of ten yeah i gave it a one and a half out of five eric what you, how did you feel well. how did you feel as you watched it it's funny like so those not in this room should know that we have a seahawks nest chat uh i'm not always on it i i have messenger alerts turned off because sometimes if it's like a a 60 message conversation. I don't want 60 notifications. So Nathan will text me. He'll be like watching a movie in five minutes or rabbit room now. <clears throat> and we'll get in there. And so I turned the movie on, said I was there, uh, put it up while I was doing other stuff and uh, on my computer. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, what movie are we watching? Because I didn't, I didn't go in the thread. I saw it was Top Secret. I was like, why are we watching Top Secret of all the <laughs> movies? Like of all the unseen movies or movies we've all seen that we want to talk about what the hell i'd never did seen we it do and i get I, I, top secret i literally watched it because i was like oh it's the follow-up to airplane like how how bad can uh, it possibly be and it just most of the jokes just fell flat for me when you like, asked airplane's uh, really funny i watched is, it recently i laughed classic, really hard you realize the same set of people uh abrahams was responsible for hot shots and hot shots part do yeah that movie's funny Those and funny. the uh collaboration was responsible for the naked gun series yes a, a, they a literally executed movie. this formula better. Hot Shots is a, other times. Hot Shots is an awesome movie. Like I'm, that's I'm, an enjoyable movie. It's more of a Rambo spoof, but I mean, it does it well. It's like a two and a half, or maybe a three. It's but it's definitely better than but way better than this. But movie. here's the thing: it's a really entertaining two and a half. Oh yeah, it's you ask it's Kevin. Like Venom. You ask Kevin what he thought about what, what he you, was thinking during what do the you movie. Do, what do you do with an elephant with three balls, Kevin? You walk him and pitch to the rhino. Come on, come on, guys! I love hot shots. Let's go. Um, yes, Kevin. He was thinking. All I could think is Ke- all Kevin was thinking is why aren't we watching Real Genius? Uh, my favorite scene in the movie is they n- turn the hallway into an ice rink. <laughs> it is it's, Real Genius. It's not so much a funny scene. It's the underwater fight scene at the end. Yes, that was because so ridiculous. It was perfect. ridiculous, but also I really appreciated the filmmaking because everyone was on the ground. They didn't cut too much. There, there was, was suddenly all- a barroom scene, and they threw him through a window. Exactly, and and you know, Val Kilmer kept his eyes it open. It had better fight cinematography than most Marvel movies. Thank you. There were also people playing cards, and Dude, they were forced to sit. A, that's such a low bar. <laughs> I love. The I, Mar- I love Marvel movies, but like the fight that, cinematography sucks. They, why do they cut so much? Just, you know, their their TV shows have better Black fight Panther, That's what made Black Panther so cool. Is they actually show people getting punched. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is rare for a Marvel movie. <laughs> that's why it's revolutionary. You can actually see a guy get hit, and it's not just like shaky cam cut five thousand times. Thor Ragnarok had some of the better fight scenes, and it was a comedy. Yeah, it's not even an action movie. Anyway, you were saying that was it. Basically, it's. Uh, it's a movie that we watched so you don't have to. Please. Val Kilmer's third best movie. If you love this movie, Shut though, up. please. It's not his third best movie. Please tell us why you're wrong. No, it's not his third best movie because, well, first of all, Batman. 
Uh, is is worse than top secret? Okay, okay. Being completely honest, being completely honest. Okay, let's we're go. going what? We're going. Let's heat. have a, We have five minutes left. Let's go a five minute discussion of of Val Kilmer's filmography. Okay, okay. so uh, what would you say are his top five? Uh, heat. Yep. Probably. Um, would you put the Doors? His performance of Jim Morrison is up there. I would agree with the Doors. Um, I know I'm missing a big one. What? Uh, kiss, 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 bang, bang. bang. True romance. Come on. True romance. Tombstone. He's so Tombstone. good. Thank Tombstone. Thank you. Thank you. Tombstone. Okay. Tombstone is not his best appearance. It is my favorite appearance of his. It's everyone. It's the mainstream hit, though. If you say I'm the Huckleberry, people will say, "Who's Val Kilmer?" And you say, "Iceman and Top Gun." The guy who says Huckleberry and Tombstone. <laughs> the bad guy in the bad guy in McGruber. Oh man! <laughs> if you okay, uh, I know legitimately, that, real genius is pretty decent. People love to shit on McGruber. I watch that movie and I laugh. I don't care. Like McGruber's funny. Don't no, I agree. at me. Please at me. I will argue with you about McGruber. I laugh. It's funny. It's a hilarious movie. Uh, he is Mad Mardigan in Willow. McGruber, that was a better performance. McGruber. Okay. Another movie that executed this. Why this did we not do thing. McGruber? You okay. were, Maybe McGruber's I, coming. I, would, dude. I, I love McGruber. <laughs> There's two scenes <laughs> in that movie that I lose my that. mind on. So we'll wait. I'll wait for that. Um, Will okay. Forte is funny, dude. It, uh, actually, Very why funny. didn't we watch Willow too? Willow's a directly better movie. Um. <laughs> Deal with it. I don't care. Okay. Do you know who's in McGruber, Kevin? That that makes me want to watch it even more too. Ryan Falcon Felipe Martin. Powers Booth. <laughs> Powers Booth. Oh, bring, it all comes back yeah. to Powers. He doesn't Booth. have a really really <laughs> slow motion uh, a helicopter crash though. No. Oh, you know a movie you should watch that has Powers Booth in it? What? Uh, Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee. Oh yeah, that movie. Oh, still that movie no. has really good action scenes and nothing else. Really and okay. Lee, everything else. Everything else isn't so bad. Here's the thing. The rest of the movie is not so bad that the action scenes can't carry it. That's my review of that movie. Uh, that's fair. I think it's a very good review, actually. It also opens with a motorcycle-based martial arts fight in a nightclub. <laughs> How many movies can claim that? Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, yes, my. yes, yes. Um, what do you think? What movie has better fight scenes? That or the, the Lone Wolf McQuaid? That Lone Wolf McQuaid has the worst fight scenes. That is the worst everything. Are you serious? That Top Secret so has better fight they scenes. They did like 85 cuts between... They didn't even punch the whole time. They just did like 85 cuts going back and forth between Chuck Norris's face and, and uh, David Carradine's face. Maybe that no was the impetus for Marvel's fight cinematography. They watched a lot of Lone Wolf McQuaid. Chuck Norris, you were banned from the podcast. <laughs> All right. Banned from Mitch and the... Oh, sorry. We can't do that anymore. From Kevin, for Eric, I'm Nathan Sano. We will see you guys next week. Go Hawks!